Section 14 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. Chapter 6. Piero il Gotoso, Part 3. The third picture, The Adoration of the Magi, has been given a name which is somewhat misleading, as it is, of course, a family group picture, the religious subject being merely chosen, in accordance with the invariable custom of the time, as a means by which to portray the members of the family concerned. It was painted for Piero il Gotoso about the beginning of the year 1467, as a votive offering to be placed in the church of Santa Maria Novella in thanksgiving for the deliverance of himself and his family from the great danger which had threatened himself with death and his family with ruin by the conspiracy headed by luca pitti though painted with the above intention it appears doubtful whether this was ever carried out as after being finished the picture would seem to have been retained by the medici family and only to have found its way to the santa maria novella long afterwards see appendix six in it we are shown the three generations of the elder branch of the medici family up to that time surrounded by their principal adherents including also some of the eminent literary men whom they had gathered round them such as marsilio ficino cristofero landino the brothers pulci and others cosimo piero and giuliano represent the customary three kings one old one middle-aged and one young piero having his two sons one on either side of him the following members of the family are shown on the left side cosimo paterpatrie then dead embracing the feet of the child christ lorenzo elder son of piero at the age of seventeen standing holding a sword in the centre piero il gotoso kneeling with his back to the spectator on the right side giovanni then dead brother of piero il gotoso standing in dress of black and red and with very black hair giuliano younger son of piero kneeling in a robe of white and gold this picture is highly interesting not merely as usually stated because it shows us the general appearance of the literary coterie whom the medici had gathered round them but because it gives the first example of that power which botticelli possessed of making a picture relate an important incident in contemporary history for the picture has a special meaning which has passed hitherto unobserved in it botticelli refers to the plot against piero's life which had just been defeated and to the manner in which that defeat had been brought about allusion has already been made to botticelli's fondness for allegorical treatment and his habit of giving the clue to the meaning of his picture by some single detail which might at first escape notice and he has done so in this case though the fact has passed undetected with the result that the meaning of the picture has entirely failed to be understood it is the sword held in lorenzo's hands which gives the clue to the meaning of the entire picture whether because the picture was painted in haste to meet a desire on piero's part to present his offering while the event on account of which he gave it was still fresh in the minds of all or simply in order that botticelli might make his meaning more marked 
the latter has palpably made scarcely any attempt to give portraits in the case of either cosimo piero giuliano or giovanni and has concentrated all his attention on the figure of lorenzo who in consequence of his conduct on this occasion had become the hero of the hour in the family this figure he has evidently drawn with great care the whole attitude and expression being carefully studied in order by it to indicate the signification of the whole picture botticelli desires to allude to how in this affair lorenzo by his courage and sagacity had been the saviour of his father's life and indirectly of the whole family from ruin it will be noticed that lorenzo is the only person among all those in the picture who wears a sword he is given a remarkably large one held in both hands and placed in front of him in a particularly prominent manner the sword almost obtruding itself on our notice as we look at the picture and the point is still further brought out by the figure standing next to him and pointing at piero while he looks at lorenzo who stands paying no attention to the gay young companions surrounding him but with his gaze steadily fixed upon his father thus does botticelli make his pictures speak and relate the danger which had threatened piero's life and the part which lorenzo has borne in warding it off the fourth picture the fortitude is also very interesting both for its connection with the medici and the manner in which that connection becomes apparent for it refers to the same event as that commemorated in the previous picture but in this case our attention is drawn not to lorenzo's conduct on that occasion but to that of piero il cotoso himself the first thing noticeable in the picture is that botticelli called upon to paint a figure representing fortitude produces one quite unlike the usual conception of that subject ruskin in his comments on the picture remarks on this and how very different botticelli's treatment of the subject is from that of all other painters but there is a reason for this and although ruskin was evidently unaware of such a reason while he does not show that he even knew the date of the picture or for whom it was painted yet the key to the meaning of all that he notices in the picture is to be found in the circumstances of the life of piero il gotoso it is in fact an allegorical record in painting of the fortitude energy and resource which piero had displayed in the event which was the chief one during his five years rule the rebellion of fourteen sixty six this will become apparent if with that knowledge of piero's history which ruskin did not possess we look at his remarks on this picture speaking of this figure of fortitude ruskin says as follows what is chiefly notable in her is that you would not if you had to guess who she was take her for fortitude at all everybody else's fortitudes announce themselves clearly and proudly they have tower-like shields and lion-like helmets and stand firm astride on their legs and are confidently ready for all comers yes that is your common fortitude very grand though common but not the highest by any means but botticelli's fortitude is no match it may be for any that are coming worn somewhat and not a little weary instead of standing ready for all comers she is sitting apparently in reverie her fingers playing restlessly and idly 
nay i think even nervously about the hilt of her sword for her battle is not to begin to-day nor did it begin yesterday many a morn and eve have passed since it began and now is this to be the ending day of it and if this by what manner of end that is what sandro's fortitude is thinking and the plain fingers about the sword-hilt would fain let it fall if it might be and yet how swiftly and gladly will they close on it when the far-off trumpet sounds which she will hear through all her reverie these remarks exactly reflect the circumstances attitude and conduct of piero il gotoso in the trial which came upon him thought to be no match for those who were preparing to attack him half absorbed in the reverie of a strong disinclination to turn from the pursuits of literature to meet quarrelling and strife feeling the battle which did not begin to-day in the long period of two years during which he had known this plot to be hatching the sitting posture instead of the usual standing one which indicated the crippled state of health that so severely handicapped him the worn and not a little weary expression caused by both the long ill-health he had endured and by disgust at the political intrigues around him including the ingratitude and deception of neroni and others the hatred of strife shown in the fingers that would fain let the weapons in the hands fall and lastly the resolute character underlying all the weariness which was demonstrated by the prompt and effective action taken when the time came all these are points which show the true meaning of the picture looking therefore at the date when this picture was painted at the conduct of piero il gotoso in the chief event of his five years rule conduct which had won him much honour among his fellow-countrymen and at the character of the picture so well brought out in ruskin's remarks upon it there can be in my opinion no doubt that it is to piero's conduct in that event that this picture of botticelli's relates and it shows what a master in art criticism ruskin was that although with his customary want of interest in history he was as is evident unaware of the circumstances alluded to by the picture he should yet have been able so accurately to gauge its spirit piero il gotoso when he was dying in december fourteen sixty nine obtained for botticelli the commission to paint this picture the council of the mercantanzia had decided to place in their hall six panels representing the virtues of prudence temperance fortitude charity justice and faith and had given the commission to piero polaiolo but piero il gotoso working through tommaso sorerini an influential member of the mercantanzia got the latter to give the commission for one of the figures that of fortitude to botticelli the latter painted the picture during the early months of the year fourteen seventy just when he was in deep grief for the death of the kind and generous patron who had done everything for him and one of whose last acts had been to get him this commission and with his marvellous talent for allegorical design he contrives to give to his picture of fortitude for the council hall of the mercantanzia those characteristics which would make it also a remarkable memorial of the character of piero il gotoso to the above four pictures must also be added botticelli's portrait of lucrezia tournaboni 
now in the kaiser friedrich museum at berlin probably the most beautiful portrait up to that time painted and his picture of st sebastian also now at berlin the above were botticelli's chief pictures during the period that he worked for piero il gotoso and lucrezia tornaboni both of whom he held in highest honor his second period is best considered in connection with lorenzo the magnificent chapters eight and nine shortly before his death various of his most ardent adherents among the citizens gave piero il gotoso considerable trouble they seem to have been carried away by elation at his uniform success and at the triumph of their party over all who had wished ill to him and his and machiavelli says gave themselves up to tyrannizing over their fellow-citizens and to committing all sorts of excesses piero though he was on his deathbed and unable to move hands or feet took vigorous action to quell this spirit among his followers he summoned the most prominent of the offenders to his bedside and gave them a most severe rebuke promising them that if they did not abandon their course of conduct he would make them repent it and in order to check the excesses of his own party would take the extreme step of recalling some of their exiled opponents nor was this an empty threat for when he found that thinking him too ill to interfere they continued in the same course he had a secret meeting at his villa of cafagiolo with agnolo acciaioli the principal of the exiles with a view to carrying out what he had said and had he lived there is no doubt that he would have done it but his course was run he died in december fourteen sixty nine universally regretted by all the best of his countrymen who rejoiced in his temperate and sympathetic method of ruling the life which had been a threatened one ever since he was a boy and which had seldom known a day's real health nevertheless reached the age of fifty-three regarding his character there is no dispute even machiavelli who was not the sort of man to appreciate its nobler side describes him thus quote, he was a good man he hated violence and display his goodness and virtues were not duly appreciated by his country principally because the few years that he survived his father cosimo were largely occupied by civil discord and constant ill-health he promptly and firmly put down an attempted rebellion against him without any violence which he detested and managed to turn his enemies into friends he took little interest in home politics and faction but paid unfailing attention to foreign politics and was better appreciated at foreign courts than in his own city End quote when we consider his energy notwithstanding that he was so crippled with gout as to be often unable to move hands or feet hatred of dissensions and violence contempt for the intrigues which made up so large a part of the political life of florence in his time the combination of vigour sense and tact with which he suppressed a formidable rebellion and dealt with unruly adherents and lastly the clemency he showed to those who had endeavoured to take his life we have apparently just reason to say that piero il gotoso had a fine character and one which adds not a little to his family's reputation while it is fully evident from subsequent events that strong as was the position to which cosimo had raised the family that strength was increased and by the most worthy methods by piero il gotoso 
even though he had so few years in which to do it piero was buried in the old sacristy in san lorenzo in the same tomb as his brother giovanni and over it his sons placed the graceful monument by verrocchio already mentioned it has an inscription round the base saying that his sons lorenzo and giuliano have erected this tomb to their father and uncle instead of a painted portrait such having as yet barely come into vogue piero like his brother giovanni had a portrait bust of himself executed by mino da fiesole which is now in the museum of the bargello it shows a fine and strong face and as mino de fiesole excelled in these portrait busts and knew piero well it is sure to be a good likeness these two busts of piero and giovanni are the first portraits among those in this book which were done from life the change in the family arms brought about by piero has already been noted the number of the balls in the medici arms varied during their history in very early times the number was eleven then nine then eight then seven and at last six thus the number of balls is a rough indication as to date while giovanni da bici was head of the family we generally find eight when cosimo became head of the family the number changes to seven and that is the number in the arms on the palace which he built the colouring of one of the red balls blue and on it the fleur-de-lis or if in stone simply on one of the balls the fleur-de-lis is of course not found until the time of piero so that six red balls and one blue indicate piero's time lastly in lorenzo's time we find the number of balls reduced to six five red and one blue and at this it finally remained the rule is absolute so far as our never finding seven balls before the time of cosimo or seven balls one of them bearing the fleur-de-lis before the time of piero or six balls before the time of lorenzo but there are a few occasions where one might find eight balls even in the time of cosimo and seven balls without the fleur-de-lis even in the time of piero the medici were great people for heraldic devices with hidden meanings each of them on becoming head of the family adopted a private crest of his own which he used in addition to the family one thus cosimo's crest was three peacock's feathers intended to signify the three cardinal virtues he most admired prudence temperance and fortitude they are to be seen among other instances on the trappings of his charger in gozzoli's fresco in the medici chapel piero chose a falcon holding a diamond ring but as his time was so short it is less often met with than the others it is to be seen on the lavabo in the inner part of the old sacristy in san lorenzo lorenzo assumed as his crest three sometimes four diamond rings interlaced the diamond as not yielding to fire or blows signifying indomitable strength and the ring eternity and certainly nothing was more appropriate to lorenzo's character than a device symbolizing enduring indomitable strength his device is to be seen on the dress of the figure representing himself in botticelli's palace and the centaur all three cosimo piero and lorenzo used the motto semper it is to be seen combined with cosimo's peacock feathers on the trappings of his charger in gozzoli's fresco combined with piero's falcon and diamond ring on the lavabo in the old sacristy and round the ornamental border of the chapel in the medici palace 
these private crests are important as often assisting to determine the date of various works especially in conjunction with the diverse number of balls in the family arms already noted lucrezia tornaboni the wives of giovanni di bici and cosimo pater patriae had not been of any particular note intellectually in the case of lucrezia tornaboni the wife of piero il gotoso it was otherwise she was one of the most accomplished women of that age she belonged to a family who were formerly nobles of the name of tornaquinci but had changed their name and arms about two hundred years before in order to become ordinary citizens and eligible for the signoria and who were notable patrons of art she was learned a poetess and a deeply religious woman she distinguished herself not only as a noted patroness of learning but also by her own writings and crescembeni is of opinion that she excelled in greater part of not to say all the poets of her time her chief writings were hymns and translations of holy scripture in verse both politian and pulci speak highly of her intellectual gifts and roscoe remarks that her poems are the more worthy of praise as being produced at a time when poetry was at its lowest ebb in italy dr pastor in his histoire des papes couples her with cecilia gonzaga isotta nogarola cassandra fedele and antonio pulci in detailing the most notable ladies of the time who came forth from the seclusion in which women had hitherto shut themselves up and won for themselves renown in literature and science nor was she less notable in the sphere of religion and francesco palermo says that the treatise of san antonino entitled opera a ben vivere methods of a good life was addressed to lucrezia tornabuoni if so it is a high tribute to her devout and sensible character all that we hear regarding lucrezia tornabuoni shows her to have been a woman of exceptionally high character as well as thus talented in her eldest son lorenzo the remarkable abilities of the medici family reach their culminating point and this was no doubt due to the fact that not only his father but also his mother was so highly gifted lucrezia survived her husband thirteen years and lived to see the terrible death of her beloved younger son in fourteen seventy eight the war of fourteen seventy eight fourteen eighty and the triumph of her elder son in fourteen eighty dying herself in fourteen eighty two and there is no doubt that during the earlier part of his rule lorenzo owed much to her valuable advice niccolo valori says lorenzo was most deferential to her and after his father's death loved and honoured her showing in all his actions both the affection felt for a mother and the respect given to a father it was hard to discern whether he most loved or honoured her lucrezia's portrait in profile painted by botticelli shows a beautiful and intellectual face she and piero had five children two sons lorenzo and giuliano and three daughters maria lucrezia or nanina and bianca their three daughters all made notable marriages maria married leopetto rossi bianca married guglielmo de pazzi and lucrezia married bernardo Ruccellai who was one of the most distinguished scholars of the time 
by the end of piero il gotoso's life the light which florence had ignited and had held aloft in art and learning for a hundred and fifty years had begun to show signs of becoming diffused in rome a beginning had been made by the efforts of pope nicholas v in venice the two brothers gentile and giovanni bellini and their brother-in-law mantegna were originating a school of painting destined to become second only to that of florence urbino under its enlightened duke federigo montefeltro was following in the steps of florence and both mantua under the gonzaga family and ferrara under the este family were beginning to give to art and learning a similar encouragement End of section 14